Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the One Ministry Question Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we are recording the second part of really how do you either lead in a dual role or as a leader of someone that you've placed in a dual role, how do you lead them well? So we covered the first part in the last episode. This episode is really how do I really assist, encourage, um, pave the way for, you know, fill in the blank. How do I make it so that this person that I am leading can be successful in their role and be happy and healthy? Yeah. So, so now there's another nuance to this. And I know last episode, we talked about the different nuances in being in a role that's dual or being in two or three different roles. But if you're leading someone I think the way you approach this, if you are leading them in their two roles, right? Like if you are their manager or their supervisor and their, their role is a split role, but you are still their manager over both their areas, then that's going to be one way of leadership. But if you are leading someone who someone else is also leading, so you're yeah. only leading them in that role and there's that, other, then that's, that's actually another way of leading too. So we do have to and address that's going to happen in a lot of uh, volunteer and key leader roles. So if I'm a yep. midsize or smaller church, or even if I'm in a large church, um, there are going to be those leaders that just like are standouts. And so they serve in two or three ministry areas of the church. If you remember the old, uh, old Lifeway research uh, now is probably like eight, nine years old, but uh, the average volunteer actually didn't just serve in one role. They served in 2.67 roles in your church. So they're not just serving in your area or for you. Um, they're serving in, you know, that many roles. So that's odds are if you're leading someone, they're serving in another role. Uh, and that may be all 2.67, maybe in your area, or they may be in other areas of the church. So I think that's very insightful that we look at both. So first let's say that, um, it is a staff person or key leader and they're in a couple of different roles and I oversee that person. What are some ways that we make them successful? So you give me one and then, yeah. and, and then I'll take one. Yeah. uh, Percentages are not always perfect. They are helpful though. So for you to have that clear conversation, so you as a manager need to make the decision, which role is more important for them to be in, which role requires more time. And if you just think back to the old Ken Blanchard situational leadership material, Um, that's so good because yeah, there's the percentage of time that the person is going to spend in both roles and you need to actually make that decision as the supervisor, as the manager, as the leader to know what is more important to the church. Uh, but then you need to have that conversation regularly with your, uh, the staff member that you're supervising to make sure that they are in fact, actually putting time that appropriately allocated time in each of those roles. 
But having said that, it's not just about minutes and hours. It's actually about energy and and the type of leadership they're providing into those roles. And there's different seasons, right? So for example, I'm thinking of one of my teammates. He is in a startup season for one of his uh, one of his hats. And I know that's going to take a lot more time now than in four months when the ministry gets started. Then the hat is it's still the same hat, but the type of work is different. And my relationship with him is going to be different because right now it might be at S1 and S2. But when it gets going, you know, I'm hoping to lead it toward the fact of being S3 and S4. So that's those those are some of the nuances in my mind. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I love that you brought situational leadership into the conversation because, you know, it, it's first of all, it's a great book because it's helping understand um, relational behavior and task behavior. And so the first thing that you can do, I would say, is provide clarity on what the task is. There are some people that you're going to have to um, really help ferret out, audit, you know, what they do. They have a high sense of responsibility. They may have added some additional things to their plate that, that you didn't want them to um, or you didn't ask them to necessarily. So you're going to have to help them. Others, um, you may have to prod or encourage uh, in this area. So I would say, first and foremost, it's difficult to do either one if you don't have clarity on what those responsibilities are. As Daniel pointed out as well, there may be a, a, a situation where you're adding something to somebody and this is a new role or you're expanding their role to include other responsibilities, whether that be a staff position or a volunteer leadership position, you're going to go through that same framework that Daniel mentioned, Blanchard's uh, uh, framework that is we're moving from directing to coaching to supporting and then finally delegating because we want that person to be able to take that uh, somebody else through that as well. So the best thing that you can do for yourself and that person is give them tons of clarity uh, in what exactly their role is do the audit and then help them to give away their ministry as much as possible. There's going to be things that, um, you know, the only you can do uh, scenario where, or uh, um, saying where you want them to only do what they can do and anything else. Let's see if we can find somebody else to delegate to, but we can't dump it on them. No, no. We want to provide the volunteer that the volunteer is recruiting um, with clarity. And we want to make sure they're bringing the same, the person through of directing, coaching, supporting, and, and delegating onto them. Um, and that's why we, when we talk about pipeline, um, th this is so important. Um, clarity comes in the very beginning though, um, to make sure that you have a clear strategy that your structure and systems are in place, that you have things like role descriptions um, that may seem silly at first, but it's just a great way to um, have these conversations. Uh, you know, you don't have to go through a full audit. You can just pull out a one-page job description and say, okay, what responsibilities do you have here that, you know, are, are given to you? How are you doing on those? What responsibilities do you have that aren't listed here? And did you give those to yourself? 
Or do you feel like I, you know, gave those to you or somebody in our ministry, you know, came up to you and said, you should be doing X. Like, you know, let's talk about that because that coaching conversation is the most valuable thing that you can do to develop that person. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought up leadership pipeline because when you think about the, the nuance of you being a ministry leader and you're, um, leading this one volunteer, but that volunteer is also serving in a completely different ministry area. Uh, you might, if you don't have your leadership pipeline set up with a common one job application for every role in your church, one process, uh, one style of role description, uh, similar core competency training at every level of your leadership pipeline. If you don't have that set up, then yeah, it can be a world of difference between that person serving in your area versus that person serving in a different area. But if you have one job description, if you have or one, one template of a role description, if you have um, your core competency training set up, then when you serve in that area, you're, you can be like, yeah, but I'm already at this level because of this. And really, and this, this goes, if you have no idea what we're talking about, then um, we're obviously talking a little bit more advanced as if you know what leadership pipeline is. Uh, and if you don't, then there's a ton of resources on Ministry Grid, on the Five Leadership Question podcast. I mean, so much, right, that we've talked about before, even on this one too. Um, but having those things set up is just going to make serving in two different areas a lot more, um, a lot better for the person serving, right? It's going to yes. make their life feasible, a lot easier. Yeah. Feasible, friendly. Uh, it's going to make it repeatable. Um, it's almost impossible to give the ministry away if effectively, if everybody is kind of running their own railroad in the church, but that's what's happened, especially the larger the church gets, the more siloed the church tends to be. Um, and each, each ministry area of the church can be. And, and so having that uh, clarity in place across different roles really helps you recruit and retain really good leaders. I will say this, if you want the best volunteers, if you have a compelling ask, not just a, I really need this. Anybody can do it. Um, you know, that style of recruiting, it doesn't take much. Mm. Um, if you have a compelling ask, and then a clear ask. Wow, you are going to have, you're going to win yeah. compared to, I'm not trying to set you up to, you know, win against all your peers or anything, but you will, if yeah. you have a clear and compelling ask, if I ask you, and then when you show up, I don't dump on you. I actually have a role description. I've thought about, you know, what I want you to do. And the process of onboarding is, is very clean and clear. Um, now, if I get that across multiple role, uh, areas of the church, I really feel like my church um, values my time, mm -hmm. which is the number one thing that's valuable to me these days. Uh, and, and they value my time. And so they're not dumping on me. It looks yeah. like we are complete jack wagons when I go from one staff person to another staff person or one key leader to another key leader or ministry area. And they're 
they have different things. Yeah. Some have a job application, some don't. Some have two different job applications. Some have training, some don't. It 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 really makes us look bad because yeah. they're like, "What do you guys do all week?" Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> if I ran my business this way. Wow, it would be. I couldn't. I, I couldn't stay in business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so many times, uh, there are leaders that opt out of our ministry because we dumped on them. Yeah. And they may not tell us. They may just go serve in, you know, the Lions Club or somewhere else out in the community. Yeah. And you know what? Having said that, I recognize that there are some ministry leaders that might be like, yeah, but I don't. This person is leading the president. Uh, they're the president of this organization or they're they're, you know, doing this and they're high capacity. Why? They don't like they're not going to want to go through my training. They're like they already know all this stuff and you end up going very relational on them. But what might end up happening is it can backfire on you because they'll be exact. They'll they'll have the sort of thoughts that Todd, you were talking about, right? It's like, wait a second. They don't have anything set up. What are they doing? You're like, no, actually, you do have the process. You do have the ways, but you just thought the person was too competent. So you wanted right. to ease it out. And, and that's where a system like ministry grid, uh, they can go at it at their own pace, do their training at their own pace, and they can see all that's going on. And, and if they get it, then, you know, maybe they'll half listen. Uh, but there's typically quizzes at the end that just test their knowledge. So part of it is, yeah, walk them through it, walk them through it and, and make sure that they're walking. Yeah. Make sure that, you know, don't assume right? Don't assume that they're competent. Um, allow them to bring that up and have that conversation, but don't opt people out without asking. And if you, you know, if this person is, uh, has been in your church for a long time, they may have a high position, um, in church polity or something like that. Still make them do it. Uh, because it's important and it sets, it it sets a good tone. You may say, Oh, well, I don't want to have to do this. You know, I'm, they've got it. Do I really want to spend another coffee hour, you know, walking through some of this or whatever. Um, in that case, you know, you may want to do it in a different posture. Uh, I would say, first of all, don't assume that they know everything you think they know or Mm -hmm. as competent as you think they are. Um, second of all, you can come at it from a different, different posture and ask them for their insight. Um, acknowledge that this is something that, you know, may be uh, elementary to them, but you want their insight and feedback on some of it. Um, especially those cantankerous people who are like, I've been here. I was here before you. I'll be here after you. I've been doing this for 26 <laughs> years over here and you want yeah. me to do what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, just come at it from a, a slightly different posture yeah, and that's right. you, you win. Yeah. You still win. Yeah. That's good. Well, thanks again for listening into the One Ministry Question podcast. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you share this with a friend um, or someone else in ministry with you uh, so that you can share the love. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but it really is sharing the love. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.